Oh my goodness, we have been working like crazy on uh, on trying to help some of the marginalized populations that haven't been totally factored into some of the planning around everything that's been going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's kind of been the latest of our, you know, the projects I've been working on with uh, Mohammed and Suleiman. And uh, it's been super rewarding. I'm really concerned right now because uh, the food banks and the drop-in centers across Toronto are shutting down because they don't want to be responsible for transmitting the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means that tens of thousands of people don't have access to their regular food supply. So yeah. we're trying to figure out what to do about that right now. Yeah. I, my son and I, what day is it today? Wednesday. Yeah. So yesterday we, um, so yesterday he was supposed to, talking about food banks, he was supposed to volunteer for a whole day um, at a food bank yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and it was through his scout troop, and uh, he had organized it and everything. And it's in our it's in our our, our neighborhood, and so he had to cancel that because uh, he couldn't do any sort of official scout stuff. Sure. Yeah. But what we ended up doing is um, going to three friends' places, and they left stuff out on their porch. Um, oh, that's, yeah, that's what a lot of people. That's a, that's very smart. Yeah, of stuff to just yeah. so we picked them up and then we just dropped them off at uh, at our local food bank. And the mm-hmm. guy told us that they have to stay open. Um, I think or or they made a decision to stay open because there's lots of people that yes um, that still need food. Yeah. 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 So what? So so with with food banks. Yeah. Um, what solution is there? Is there certain ones that are staying open? Um, what are we doing about the ones that are not staying open? Yeah, it's really being done on a case-by-case basis right now. And um, I think there's around eight or nine that have decided to to shut down. And any that haven't shut down, I think, are just making uh, food available for uh, for pickup Um they may even have it separated out from the rest of the shelter. Sorry, excuse me, the rest of the food bank at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what what Paramount has done is offered uh, each of these food banks um, up to 100 meals. And they're delivering, mm. sorry, people are picking those up over the next 10 days. Um, wow. I just saw some pictures of them. They're gorgeous. The food is amazing. Yeah. And uh, Muhammad's also going to keep a couple of restaurants open um, over the course of the entirety until this thing is resolved so that there are places that people can go to get food. So, Okay. Yeah, because restaurants are supposed to be closed or they are given suppo- direction? They're, they're, yeah. So if you have seating, you're not allowed to use your seating. But you can have people come in and pick up food and take it out. Oh, like um, take out it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So take out and delivery are the are the things that are kind of keeping the food economy going right now. Yeah. So Jen, I, I know of you um, through Suleiman and I was trying to think back yeah. earlier today on, on how I first came to know you. And I think mm-hmm. it was someone had introduced me mm-hmm. to, and I think it was Dave fleet from Edelman. Oh yeah. Love Dave. He's the best. Yeah. And, uh, so I think he, introduced me to Suleiman mm-hmm. and then I, I remember meeting up with him I think it was in 2011 okay for coffee and then he said I should meet with you 
Mm-hmm. And you were working at, I'm trying to be, where were you in 2011? I was, uh, I, I was still uh, running Sequentia in 2011, I think. That's yeah. what it was. So it was Sequentia, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. And we made an appointment. I came to see you and I think you were busy, but I, I ended up sitting down with, oh my goodness, what's her name? She's got a skateboard husband. Oh, Amrita, uh, Amrita. Yes, yeah. Amrita. Yes, yes. So yeah. I sat down with her, um, and I and so we. I had just known of you. Got it. Um, and yeah, then we, I think it's kind of the same with you. Like we've kind of orbited. We're in the same circles, but we've never actually really sat down, and had coffee, or anything like that before. Yeah. So I knew. You, I guess it was in the, in the tech entrepreneur yes. space. Yes. Um, but then a couple of years ago, maybe. I started hearing your name in the, I don't know if I want to call it like social circles or community circles. You started, mm-hmm. I started seeing you as one of Toronto's superheroes for, oh lack, for, lack, for lack of a better term. What, when did you, and I don't want to, you know, put you on the spot terms. when did you sure, start yeah, caring no about people, but when, when did, because I'm sure when it's did this sort all of, start. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I've supported, you know, just on, on, not in any formal way. I've given money to people over the years. And there's a guy outside of our office at one point who I ended up forming a pretty strong relationship with and saw him every day. And uh, um, so I guess it was two New Year's Eves ago, uh, I was on Twitter and I saw one of the harm reduction intake centers saying that, they were going to have to start kicking people out onto the street. And it was minus 30 and it was 1130 at night. And I'm like, this can't happen. Like this cannot happen. These people are going to freeze to death out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we managed to get some people to contribute. I don't know, about 12 grand to get those people into some hotels that night. And then Suleiman introduced me to Muhammad and Muhammad funded a bunch of hotels for a while and then uh, the community started to step in. Sarah Prevet donated a ton of money. Um, I don't want to mention anybody else's names just because I don't really have permission. But sure, there's probably sure. 50 or 60 donors in the tech community that wow. want to call out on Twitter now and say, you know, this person's stuck for rent or they need grocery money. Um, I can, I, I've fulfilled every request that... Uh, I've had over the past three years and uh, I've also become affiliated with a really amazing charity as a part of this work too, which has been very, very rewarding. What's the name of this charity? It's called Seeds of Hope. Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's at Six St. Joseph and it's a drop-in center. Mm -hmm. Um, Beautiful old, uh, like I think the building was built in 1879. I've got a full commercial kitchen so people can come in and Uh, either grab something to eat or actually cook. Um, Really excited that we've just brought on a full-time chef, and he's an internationally renowned chef. Um, I don't know of any other homeless centers who have a full-time award-winning chef, so it's pretty exciting for us to be able to deliver that kind of food quality to our our, uh, community as well. Yeah. Um, And so that's kind of how it all happened. And then since then, Mohammed and I have probably worked on six or seven different initiatives together. I I just quickly looked at your your Twitter bio, mm-hmm. and it and it and it says advisor to Muhammad Faki. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to, like, have we formal? Is this like a formal relationship or? Um, 
we're in the process of formalizing it. I think it's probably the best way to say. Yeah. Okay. So I, I do I do some work for him and uh, I do some work for Paramount. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's a, it, he's just a wonderful person to work for because he's the kind of person who always has a new idea about how to help somebody. And that is just so in line with my thinking and my ethos um, that it's just been really exciting to do things like, you know, raise funds for the folks who, who had to get to alternative housing when 650 Parliament caught fire. Um, mm. The Canada Strong Initiative, which was by far the biggest thing that we've worked on together yet. And uh, it, it's just amazing. It, I, I can't speak highly enough of the experience of working with someone who is so committed to helping other people. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, I had him in studio. I remember uh, that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, like a year, maybe two years ago now. Yeah. I can't remember when. But, and I remember mentioning to him, and I said, you're always, like, he was, his smile was always on. Yes. Um, as we were talking. Guy. Yeah, really even is. when we were talking about some of the hardships yeah. that, you know, whether it was, you know, early in his career or like recent stuff with people, um, you know, slandering him or, you know, making threats to his family. Yeah. Yeah. There was always like a smile on his face. And I remember asking him, I can't remember specifically what his answer was, but it was like, it's a choice that he makes to, yeah. to, to always see the good side of things and, and yeah. to, uh, and, and it was, I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know how to do that. I don't know. I don't know if it's I have the headspace. Really, I know it's 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 a it's a tough thing to do, but it is so powerful. I, I I know what he means. You know, you can look at any situation like what's happening right now, right? Yeah. Look at what's happening right now. It's very hard to find anything particularly redeemable in the fact that people are having to stay in their homes and potentially have been exposed to a a, a, a very dangerous virus. But yeah. at the same time, you know you're getting the ability to reconnect with people in different ways. You might get some time to work on projects that you've put aside for years. And and what I also think is happening that's amazing is we're really slowing down. And mm. um, I think that's the kind of approach that Muhammad would take to a situation like this. He always tries to, to, to see the, the, the long-term benefits. Yeah. Um, and I really do think that what's happening right now is going to change a lot of how we, we live and work and, and I think past the crisis even potentially. So it's, it's a, it's a fascinating time. And, and how I, I, so I, you know, I see that you're busy with um, all of these, you know, community initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, how much time do you devote to that outside of your, your work with, yeah, I guess your work or, yeah, or is it's, this it's, now your full-time work? No, it's not. So okay. about 50-50, I think. Yeah. 50 on the volunteer side and 50 on the work side. So, yeah. yeah. And so what is, like, what do you do now? So um, we have two companies that are uh, both in the content marketing space. Okay. So BCMM, uh, yeah. which is a content marketing management platform, and uh, B2B News Network, which is a site for companies in the B2B space. We focus primarily on marketing and sales. So tell me about Squeeze CMM because I remember when that came out. That was a sure. really cool uh, product. Uh, tell me, you know, how you started that and, and where things sure. are now. 
So uh, we, we saw a gap in the market. There wasn't really a great solution for content marketing measurement um, out there, uh, particularly one that tied different platforms together. We use a taxonomic approach, which is different from just about everybody else out there. What does that, that mean? That we we uh, give our users the ability to add labels to um, their content assets that then they can measure against other labels or variables. Um, so, for example, a starting taxonomy might be, you know, who are the three uh, buying personas that you are trying to reach? Okay. And then what kind of content are we going to put out that meets these the needs of these buyers? And on what channels? And we found out things like if you're a technology executive, you're much, much more likely to gravitate towards um, research reports and um, what was the other one? I think it may have been webcasts. Webcasts, as a matter of fact. Um, Whereas if you're an IT manager, you're much more likely to gravitate towards things like tools, tips, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, by applying the taxonomy, we're able to get down to that level of detail of content consumption, see when people are actually consuming it, where and how, and then adjust the content programs to optimize uh, the content and its delivery to get the best possible results. And so when I I was um, playing around with Squeeze CMM when you first launched it, um, you know, it was a... How how do I describe it? It was it was almost like a a, a link shortener. Um, yes, that's that's the uh, that's the technical mechanism we use to deliver the taxonomy exactly. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So it's kind of like Bitly on steroids is probably a good way to describe it. Ah, uh, very interesting. And so, how long has it been out now? So it's been six years, believe it or not. Oh wow. my gosh, I can't even believe it. We we actually started <laughs> working on it in the agency um, in two thousand and nine. And it had a very kind of slow growth. We had a couple of clients that needed to have something to use to measure the impact of their content. And then we started realizing it had some commercial value pretty quickly. Yeah. And so, like, where is it now? Who's, you know, what type of companies are, are, are sure. utilizing that? And, and what, are, what are they learning? So primarily technology companies, although we've got a really interesting new addition to the offering now, which is that... Um, we can apply our taxonomy to any business IP address um, that clicks on a link or related content. And what that Mm -hmm. starts to form then is a a new pool of audience members. Um, And we've been doing a lot of political work on that. So we were, we did work with some candidates in the Toronto municipal election and we worked with some candidates in the federal election as well here in Canada. Um, And, uh, we're in the process of talking to a number of campaigns in the States at the moment as well. Interesting. It is. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have to, I have to ask you this. Sure. Um, and I, I am, I'm not going to pretend to know, you know, your political leanings. Sure. But somebody who is, you know, involved in the community does a lot of volunteer work. Um, and you've got a product like this that you know you're you're working with political candidates. Yes. Do you? Where do you stand on who uses your product? Um, that's a great question. So yeah. it's almost exclusively businesses. So it's really a B two B tool. 
Okay. So what we're what we're doing is we're helping business buyers find the products that they need, and vice versa. Yeah. Helping products find the buyers that they need. Um, when it comes to uh, which parties we would work with on the political side, yeah. Um, I can tell you that we turned down a major Canadian political party uh, uh-huh. because the members of the team felt that um, it was not in line with our values and we would have been extremely concerned if that party had become government. So uh, okay. we basically make we make those decisions as a team. And would you make those decisions like for businesses as well? And, and here's, here's, here's yes, what I remember. Exactly. Yeah. Was it so Shopify? Yes. Apparently was powering Breitbart still News? Is. They still, still are. Yeah. So I remember when this happened. Yeah. And uh, you, of, of course, I'm sure you know people that work at Shopify personally. Yes. Um, I, I know yeah. people that, that work at Shopify personally. And I remember reaching out uh, to a couple of them. Um, and I'd have to go back and look, you know, one person was like unaware they, they worked on product side. They weren't working on the, I don't know, the sales side. Mm-hmm. One person happened to be a VP still is a VP there, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. or at least if that's not their title, it's, it's a high enough title that they can make decisions, I think. Um, and I, they just weren't comfortable answering that question. Yeah, at, at that particular time, and and I and at that time, I think I was writing for maybe Tech Vibes or IT it. Business, and I told them, "Listen, this is just between you and me." Right. But but um, like as as a business, um, like do you also uh want to make decisions like that, or is it like, hey, whoever can utilize this, and if there are there are there are company and people want to use their product, they they're allowed to use it. How do you do you make those same decisions or how do you well, make those decisions? We can actually restrict some of the functionality so that they actually um, can only use the content marketing portion of it and not yeah. the IP portion of it. And yeah. we do have some customers who are in the, those circumstances. So, yeah, like if a bright okay. came to us, I mean, I just I, I wouldn't even personally, I wouldn't give them the time of day. Um, sure. But, you know, if somebody on my team sells something and it's not our favorite type of client, but we don't object to it. Um, we would, for example, say we're not going to give you the IP addresses, but you can use it, use us to measure your content. So. Yeah. It's hard. Like, I don't know where, where I would sit. Um, yeah, it is hard. You know? Because we should be able to use data for um, good, right? Like, data sure. should be able of course. to help us deliver better options to our customers and make the buy process more efficient etc yeah um but it also has that very dark uh, downside that we've heard so much about over mm-hmm. the past few years it's it's a really tough line to, to walk and i think that you know we're only at the very beginning um of, of the scrutiny of this space i've been uh involved in the sidewalk labs uh, scrutiny as well through uh, an organization called Tech Reset Canada with Sadia Muzaffar, mm-hmm. uh, Bianca Wiley, and April Dunford. And a big part of that is surveillance capitalism. Um, just what kind of data are people collecting and what are they doing with it? And we made a commitment very early on to, to not to anonymize our data, but not to yeah. actually collect any personally identifiable information. So we have a business's IP address and we know which content they clicked on. 
but that's yeah. it. And that allows us to do retargeting and that's as far as we want to go. Yeah. Interesting. What so in terms of sidewalk labs, you, you bring that up. Um, you know, there's, I guess, I don't know, from my perspective, there's two sides, right? There's a side of mm-hmm. what can we, what can the city learn and, and take advantage of yep. to deliver, you know, better services, yep. um, quality services, you know, hopefully less costly services to, to Torontonians. Um, and then there's the other side of, um, what are we allowing, you know, Google to do or, or not exactly. to do? And do we have yeah. control over that? Exactly. And it's, it's a really tough one. You know, I, I, uh, I kind of straddle two worlds here a little bit um, because when you think about how much investment has been made in public sector technology over the past 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, it's very little, but, you know, most of hmm. there's been some improvement. But by and large, um, uh, we've had some pretty major challenges with uh, technology rollouts, like the Phoenix payroll system was a complete disaster. So I've got I've got colleagues and friends who are saying we just need anything we can get to get better at this. We need all the technology anybody is willing to give us, so yeah. that we're not sitting, you know, twenty years behind what's happening in China. And then there's the other side, which is, well, yeah, but I mean, what are what What's being done with this data? What what are they collecting? Why? And I think part of the problem is that the there's been a, a challenging set of disclosures um, mm-hmm. with various you know revelations at various points during the process. So I think it's a little hard for the uh, side that is not pro Sidewalk Labs to yeah. trust completely at this point. Um, it's certainly going to be very interesting to see what happens, especially given everything that's happening now. Have they done anything like, have they, in terms of Google, has Google done anything like sidewalk labs that they want to do in Toronto anywhere else? Do you know? Yes. Yeah. There is a project called intersection in New York city. It's different. Um, It's kiosk based. So people can go into kiosks and use them for free um, and uh, type messages, et cetera. And, your data while you're doing that is collected. In fact, I don't believe they disclose, but they're they're videotaping you while you're in those kiosks as well. What is this like internet cafes that run, that are run by Google or something like that? Or? Kind of. They're okay. they're almost like stand up cafes, but huh. you know they're collecting data from you while you're in there, um, and they're collecting video and audio as well. So interesting. Okay, so mm-hmm. sim- similar, not not the same. Not the same. Yeah. Um, almost a precursor, I think, to what they're trying to do here. And I think part of, you know, part of the objection, Starbuck Labs, is that some of the problems they're trying to solve in the context of where we are as a society today, like, we probably don't really need raincoats on buildings right now, but we do <laughs> need a homelessness solution. Yeah. Desperately, you know, like, I, I, I would have really liked to have seen some of the bigger issues tackled, and, uh, and they weren't. So. Yeah. It's interesting that that, you know, when I was in the in the tech space, at, at least covering it, um, almost every month at the time, there was a, um, oh, what do they call these? But you know, everyone would get together in a room for a weekend, oh, a um, meetup or a camp, bar camp or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and and try to solve something, or they'd create a product, or they'd create, yes. you know, they 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 you know create something. Yeah. Um, and I always thought, you know, why, 
why aren't they doing this about other stuff? Housing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, housing. That would be great. We, transportation. That, that would be a great thing to get going. You know, I they, actually they did have they had a TTC camp. Um, oh. Which I think Jay uh, Jay Goldman led, and you okay, know, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure exactly why they stopped. Um, but I agree with you. Like, if we could have a transit camp, we could have a housing camp, if we could have a food camp, um, and food supply and food scarcity and food insecurity, like those are those are the problems we need to be tackling right now. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious. Like, I, let me make. I'm going to make a guess here. Sure. You you don't have a Siri at home or something like that. Um, I I do. I have you do. Siri. I don't use it for it. We we oh. don't have a we don't have like the Amazon Echo or anything like that. Okay, um, but okay. I have Siri on my phone. On your phone, and okay. we use the Hue system for our lights. Uh, but that's as much automation as we use because yeah, I don't know. I think the whole thing is. <laughs> How I, do you? How do you straddle that, you know, being someone who's, who cre- has created product mm-hmm. uh, in the tech space, you know, utilizing technology. Yep. Um, and then also someone who is also concerned about how technology is being used by, yeah. you know, those who create it. How do you, yeah. how do you balance that? Well, I've got to tell you, it's been an evolution. I was a techno-utopian for a very long time. Like, I really believed the technology and the web and the internet were going to solve the majority of human problems over time. It would make it easier for us to communicate with each other and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And we've all seen where that has gone. So obviously, mm. you know, my outlook has had to shift as the real consequences of some of this, uh, these platforms – uh, the people who lead them, the decisions that they've made. Uh, I, I think if you're not a little skeptical about technology at this point, you're probably un, unaware or uneducated enough uh, to be that way because there's no question the societal impacts have been enormous. Um, and it's something that's hard for us to get a handle on because as a society, our ability to actually uh, manage technology is very, very different at one end of the, the continuum um, mm-hmm. and the, the other end. You know, you've got people who are literally creating the next version of society at the one end, and then people who, you know, couldn't boot a computer if you gave them a million dollars on the other. And that's what our society is comprised of today. And that is very challenging to navigate. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we're, we live in times that are, are changing rapidly on, you know, both from a technology yes. perspective um, and how we utilize yep. technology. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, health perspective as well. Definitely. And, 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 and how mental wellness, all that. Yep. Yeah. We, we really don't understand the impacts at all. Wow, yeah, yeah, you bring that up. It's like everything is it's like everything's being brought to the forefront, it seems. Yes. It's, yes. it's it's um you know, so you know, we're told to to stay home. Yep. But then there's people that can't stay home. Well, right? I don't even don't think it's so, I, I mean, I think they have now gone to the point where they've said please stay home. I think it's more about just trying not to congregate. Like when I go out right now yeah. and walk in the dog. 
I'm just trying to stay six feet away from anybody that I run into. Yeah, and, yeah. Because, you know, p- people still have to get out and exercise and lots of people still have to go to work. And yeah, uh, that's what I mean, right? Yeah. You know, so, you got, so we so, can't totally shut down. But. Yeah, so, right, so there's people, you know, whether they drive the TTC bus, yep. whether they deliver the mail, whether yep. they work at a bank or at a grocery store, yep. um, you know, they still need to go to work. Um, they're still, Although I think some of those might be shutting down shortly. <laughs> I yeah. think, uh, yeah. So wait, so I heard, I think I was, uh, CIBC are closing at 200 branches. Yeah. I, I think I saw something about that. I saw something about the grocery stores are changing their hours. Um, yeah. in some cases to accommodate the elderly, uh, restaurants are supposed to all be closed now unless they've got to take that option. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And also, um, what about those people that that need right? So I was listening to CBC Radio yesterday, and they had mm-hmm. a guy that is that needs like personal support workers. Yeah. To come over and help him, you know, maybe it's to change his clothes or go or to go to the washroom or, yep. you know, to help with with uh, physical therapy or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, well, all those people have to be screened so carefully now, and yeah, you know, I'm not even sure if they're going to work. Like it, it, it a lot of this is probably going to end up falling back on family members over the next little while. Yeah, um, is my guess because uh, I can only imagine the like as people get sicker, more of that is going to be needed as well because people are in their homes still. Somebody has to yes. look after them. Exactly. So it's a it's a really big challenge. I think. And so one of the things that, that I hope for is that things will change to a degree that we start understanding, especially in Canada, yeah. that one of the major roles of government is to, is to look after people. And, and, I, and I don't want that to come across as, you know, we just sit in our, in our rooms, in our beds, in our chairs, and the government looks after us. But... Yes. To the point where, you know, there are people that need help. Yes. That it's not a matter of, oh, there's no money in the budget. No, it, no. It, let's, we, we can't think that way. We need to, you know, the seniors, people in nursing homes, people that need care in their homes, that they're properly looked after. Yeah. Right? And, and I yeah. hope that, you know, whether it's things like this or whether it is understanding that mental health is a real thing, it's not a thing that we hide in the corner anymore um you know i'm actually that's the that's the single good thing i can point to that the four government has done so far is Hmm. that uh the mental health um offering which was remarkable and i think one of the first of its kind in the world i didn't Um, hear that tell me about that tell me oh they're offering free mental health counseling to the entire province now um, wow. Online and by phone. Yeah, they announced it just before the coronavirus stuff started getting really big, so it got a little bit lost. Okay. Um, but that's a pretty huge announcement when you when you think about it. And it is for yeah. it to come from the Ford government is somewhat surprising and and and, and really great. Um, yeah. So that's that's I think going to definitely help in these circumstances in particular. Couldn't mm-hmm. have been introduced at a better time. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's some progress being made. As as this thing, um, 
you know, I don't, I don't know whether the summer, whether summer being the temperature where things will change or whether summer is a, a, a long ways away that, you know, this will have run its course. But, you know, I, I think one day, whether it's sooner or later, um, as we get back to whatever is considered normal. Yeah. Um, but that's, what's that going to what, look like now? Yeah, what is yeah. that? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a question. Well, it My, is, you know, when somebody told me two months ago that, uh, anything would have knocked Donald Trump out of the headlines and, uh, you know, the single point of focus for half of humanity. I would not have believed it possible, but it, it, it has. This is this is usurped the uh, the orange one. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, <coughs> what. Where do you think things go? Like, what, if, you know, when we do get back to normal, where. Where where do things go? What what will happen? Do you think? Oh, I think there's so many things that that are going to influence that that are underway right now. U.S. election is a huge part of it. Um, there there are so many places in the world right now where you have this battle between populism and liberalism that um, mm. has been going on for decades and has been to date really won by conservatism, but it's starting to uh, it, it's starting to become clear that that really is not a governing ethos it's an opposition ethos um so i think that depending on you know if something like a universal basic income comes out of this that would be mm. an absolutely incredible thing for society um i think one of the fascinating retrenchment points here has been uh, just how many countries have closed off their borders like we've been moving towards a very accelerated type of globalism for decades now. And that yeah. has essentially shut that right down. And the fact that, you know, countries like Italy are not going to their EU partners for aid. They're going to China because that's the only place they can get it. These that's are crazy. all going to be just fascinating dynamics for us to kind of look at and figure out what they mean as we start getting through this, what work means, how we do it, where we do it. You know, there, there's no change quite like force changed, force change. And, and that's what we're going through right now. And I think the interesting question will be how much of it sticks. Yeah. Jennifer, listen, thanks so much for your time. Before I let you go. Um, You're very welcome. This was great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, no worries. But listen, before I let you go, where, where can people, um, not that I want them to follow you or you want them following you. <laughs> And we're, and we're not allowed to follow people anymore. But, you know, if people want to keep up with what you're up to, where, where can sure. they go? Twitter's the best place. I love Twitter. I spend a lot of time there. Um, and my handle is my name backwards. It's Nedge Snave. Super helpful. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much my go-to social network at the moment and probably will be for the foreseeable future, although I'm starting to spend a lot of time on Instagram, too. Yeah, well, I mean... Things things can change on a dime, Jen. We never know what totally. uh, what we, what we will be doing. That that so is so true. true. Yeah, Jen. Listen th again. Thanks so much for your time. Stay healthy. Stay safe. You and, too. Uh, thank you. I look forward to chatting again. Sounds great. Thank you so much. And uh, if you need anything else, let me know. We'll do.